Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Wednesday edition of Benzinga's Free Market Prep. Spencer Israel, Joel Conan, Dennis Dick with you this morning. It is quiet out there, folks. Not a lot going on. We're getting towards the end of the year, so... Uh, Looks like this won't be a repeat of 2018 in terms of volatility and uh, and and news. So it's quite not a lot going on. We got some ratings, got some earnings. PCG settled or they got approval for their settlement. Um, some big technical levels were on our minds today. Dennis has a few key levels he wants to talk about uh, in some stocks and. That's pretty much it. So we'll take your questions from our chat as always at premarket.benzinga.com and youtube.com slash Benzinga TV. Our guest today, uh, Mish Schneider. She is the Director of Trading Education and Research at Market Gauge. She will join us at 8.35 and then from 9 to 10, Sean Udall will hop out, will stop by and hang out with Joel for the hour. Uh, in the meantime, Joel, what is the word here overnight? Oh, quiet over range, Spencer. Uh, trading up a stake here at 31.9650. Uh, good levels all around. Triple D will talk about some of the one in stocks. We got a double top in there, folks. 03, 02.5 Monday's high, 03.5 Tuesday's high. That is your major level you need to get through on the upside to sail into the 3200 handle. Uh, crude, we're down 28 cents at 60.59. Gold in the red by 90 cents at 1470.970. Silver in the red by 3.2 cents at 17.04. And just two years after Bitcoin hit its all time high, it's under 7,000. In fact, it's at 6,500. Those are the futures you're trading down $70. Triple D, did you fall asleep in front of the screen last night? I am trying to unmute myself. I clicked the unmute button about a dozen times and finally did unmute. Not sure why that is going on here, but no, it was actually, you're right, it actually was very slow last night. Not a lot happening. I sat here waiting for action. I'm like, eventually I'm going to get some action. It never really did materialize. So it was a very quiet evening. 
All right. Well, but not... we've always got stuff to talk about. We and oh, yes. The analysts were busy here overnight. We'll get to that in a second. Some interesting ratings here this morning. Uh, those the one story that everybody was talking about. And they exhausted it to bits, and a stock that I probably should have sold out of my long term portfolio, but I did not. Was FedEx, and now I'm back down to even on it again. So the stock was up 50 points, down, up 40 points, down, up 20 points, down, up 10 points, flat. So it looks like I'm probably going down. I mean, it was a terrible quarter. Give us the results here. FedEx, long-term investing sucks. <laughs> Q2 EPS, $2.51 for a $2.84 estimate revenue, 17.3 versus $17.57 billion. So a miss and a miss on the top and bottom lines for FedEx. Last quarter, they gave some guidance, some uh, fiscal year 20 EPS guidance, the range they gave. $9.10 to $10.35. Estimates were all the way up at $12. So light, very light actually on the uh, fiscal year 20 EPS guidance on top of the earnings and revenue misses for last quarter. Before we break down the uh, the technical, Spencer, can you just enable the Benzinga pre-market page for those who are listening over there? We will get that enabled for you. But obviously, we're always up on YouTube, so you can always find us. If you can't find the channel, just go Benzinga YouTube and you will find us very quickly. Um, we're down 12 bucks here, Joel. 150 is huge, but this yeah. quarter was absolutely terrible. They said nothing good. Mess, mess, lower guidance. I mean, there was no doubt the stock was going to go lower. Um, I don't know what to say. It's a very disappointing. UPS is down in sympathy here. This is just a real disappointment. I was worried about this disappointment. I talked about it on the show yesterday, and that's why I was considering selling my long-term. But I said to myself, stop trading your long-term portfolio. It's still, you know, it was a valuation call for you, and and the valuation call continues to go down. <laughs> uh, just a, not a good-looking chart. You know what I mean? We talked it, about it. Looks, the, it looks bad. Talking yeah. is my book here, but it looks bad. Yeah. It, it, I mean, before the just all the pops, I mean, you had that big swoon in September. I don't know if that was from earnings. And it tried. It tried to fill that gap a few times. It just found resistance and now back down. Kind of a a sneaky pre-market chart here because you're down and you're not bouncing at all. I mean, you are just skimming along the lows of the session. So I guess you could look at it two ways. You know, someone's just bringing in some stock here. They're like super bullish and, uh, you know, we're going to pop off here. Or you can look at it just like the sellers, they're just not done yet. And they're just not letting this thing bounce. We're trading. This 150 area is tricky, pre-market low, 150.11. It just doesn't feel like that's going to be the low of the day. We're trading at 150.60. Let's look at the dailies. I mean, you can go pick some daily lows out. 149.75, that was a low. So that backs up your 150 area. 149.19. 149.19. I guess I would, if you break 150 and you were designed to buy 150, you're giving yourself a little room. You got that 149.19. Why well, be a hero and buy it on the first day? Yeah. And yes, I own it in my long term portfolio, yep. but I'm not adding to it here. I mean, you got to wait till you know, these things turn. Think about the last. We're getting a repeat of last earnings. And it, went down and it was 172, a gap down 15 bucks, and then continued to leak for a month until it finally showed some life. You got to wait till it shows some life. Why are institutional money managers going to come in and pile into FedEx at this price? You got to ask yourself that. Why? Because it's cheaper? Well, they just lowered guidance significantly. It should be cheaper. So I don't see, you know, why be a hero and come in on the first day. 
I'm sticking with a long-term investment, but I wish I didn't have it. I was right. so close. I even wrote it. Hey, I even wrote it on my page. See you on the sheet. Uh, no, I wrote sell FedEx like before the earnings. Look at this. Can you see it? It says sell FedEx. This is all the other stuff I've got, like my notes and stuff. But it says sell FedEx. That was yesterday You're not during the day. Because I wanted to sell it out of my long-term portfolio. And I talked myself out of selling it. Bad. I should have just went with the instincts. I talked about it on the show yesterday. I thought they were going to disappoint. And they did. Should have just went with what I wrote on my sheet. Follow your sheet. When you do your homework, follow your homework. Uh, UPS trading down in sympathy. That stock, I just it's really held up. I you want to know something? And this what? is, you know, people say I'm ridiculous for saying this stuff. They are the beneficiary of being, you know, in a little weaker industry, but reporting second. So again, that's going to be the same story. FedEx reports. And when does UPS do to report, Spencer? They're, they're out already. Yeah, but they was out a long time ago. They are not out for... for so, so when UPS reported after FedEx last quarter, um, am I wrong here? UPS reported in late October, Dennis. So, yeah. For, so, so their next report won't be until January. Yeah. So, but yeah. again, so it's only a month away. So FedEx is really reporting. Yeah, they're reporting, but you know, for the next quarter here, UPS is only a month away. So now everybody's, you know, looking at expectations and yeah, they're not close to each other, but weren't they closer last time? Cause I remember, saying UPS was only a couple weeks after FedEx. And I was like, the borrowers set low. So I feel like, you know, that they've adjusted the dates. When did they report last quarter? It's definitely after FedEx. So I remember talking about this. UPS reported October 22nd. And when did FedEx report? Uh, FedEx reported... In September, about a month ahead. So FedEx is about a month ahead. Which, you know, is is wrong, I guess, because, you know, you're saying the first quarter versus the next quarter, but it's still... Am I mean, right FedEx, there? FedEx is behind you, but they're so far behind. On the quarter, but it's a month. So I'm like, now everybody hates it. So if they see anything good from UPS in a month, they're going to say, oh, well, they're doing better than FedEx. So I don't know. Maybe I'm just, you know, maybe UPS, it's like a UPS, UPS always reports at the, the beginning of the earnings season. FedEx reports FedEx at the end. But it feels like UPS comes after because FedEx is so two months after. So it feels like UPS right. comes after. Right. Anyways. Okay. So I guess my theory is wrong, but... In any regard here, the bar is now set lower for UPS, obviously. Stock is held up. It's got the divinit, the bigger dividend, so it's held up better. But I, don't I, know. I wonder how come. I mean, it's, it's held up a lot better, like a lot, lot better. I think it's still because the bar, like FedEx was so bad on that other quarter. And then UPS reports three or four weeks later, the next quarter the results. And they're like, oh, it wasn't that bad. And then they rallied the hell out of it on that. If you looked, it was a gap and go back in October. Mm-hmm. So I still think even though it's the next quarter's results, it's still people still have the bad taste. Think about how long you have a bad taste in FedEx in your mouth. You're gonna have a bad taste for a long time. So when UPS reports on January 20th, the bad taste is probably still kicking around. They're saying, I think the bar is gonna be set lower. Obviously a lot of things change in a month, but I still think that helps. All right. Uh, the, oh, I just wanted to say that Amazon news yesterday didn't help things either. Well, that was this whole catalyst that started it all. But then, yeah. yeah, and then the earnings were just a disaster. So, yeah. anyways, let's move on. It just depresses me. I'm, okay, I, let's I, just, move I do on. have some good stocks in my portfolio, believe it or not. I know I'm always seem to be where I seem to be talking about the dogs that are in my portfolio. I have 100 stocks in there. So, there is some good ones. My portfolio is actually at all time highs. So, it's not doing that bad. But I'll tell you, FedEx is not a good one in there. Okay. 
So, All right. Any continue. other earnings? Positive earnings? CTA uh, Centas. Yep, and the, they reported uh, yesterday also Q2 EPS $2.27 beat the $2.03 estimate sales. Also beat a buck 80, sorry, 1.84 billion versus 1.82 billion. So a beat and a beat it for CTAS last quarter. It's up two bucks. I mean, I you look at this chart and you think, well, yesterday's highs are already a factor and it actually is off the highs, which is concerning as well because the stock rallied up more. So you've come off the highs now. 267, that's your level in the sand. Yep. Um, for If you're long, that's a level it needs to breach. But this stock is always quiet. For whatever reason, the stock just doesn't move around that much. I mean, yeah, it's a $260 stock. But for a $260 stock, a lot of this times this thing has like a two-point you know, two range. There's a lot of two-point ranges in there. That's less than 1%. So it just doesn't move around a hell of a lot. Like, don't expect a 30-point move off earnings on CTAS. Uh, I just keep an eye on 62.43. That was the high from yesterday. So you're still green on the session. <clears throat> you did get a pop here. What time was that pop at? Uh, in the after or the pre-market at five o'clock, you traded up to 269.45. Measly hundred shares there. So I'd keep an eye on the high from yesterday. Make sure it stays above there. Uh, if not, you're looking for a test of the close. 60.76 in yesterday's low. I see it wide open to 66.98 after that area, but it doesn't seem like anyone's in a big hurry to take it there. GIS, TTC, PAYX all reported. Do we want to talk about those? I was going to go to Steel Case. There was the last one from yesterday. Steel Case? You're going off, yeah. the, off the board. All right, sure. Give Steel Case some love. Well, you know, I was looking at the biggest names reporting in Steel Case. Steel Case. Probably the... Uh, the only big one. Good report. So, yeah, it was a good report. Uh, they beat on the EPS and beat on the uh, sales. So, I'm not. Uh, it's, okay, so it's, right. if, you, so if you're an SCS okay. trader, I'm not an SCS trader. Nope. You're looking, you know, it's through $20. That's a critical level. I would think it hasn't been to $20 in a long time. So, I would think you might even have something perched in the book there. Uh, I don't have my book open here to see. But whenever you go through these big psychological, you know, $20 level that you haven't been through, and if we go back to the monthlies, SCS hasn't been buried since 2015. So you have four years where there's four years of potential that somebody threw a GTC out at 20. You could tell canceled orders what I'm talking about there. I mean, I think there could be something at 20. So I don't know if I'm buying here at 2025. I don't know. JV Spec, if your book's open, again, I was running late. I haven't opened my book yet, but I just think that 20, why not? 2037 that was your high in december of 2015 if you're looking for a target there uh that's the last time and then that was a real bad month there i don't know what happened with the earnings report or if it was the market but that thing got lit up in the month of december uh four years ago uh quick uh quick trivia where is that company headquartered it's gotta Somewhere. be in michigan or joe would be michigan. doing the trivia <laughs> michigan <laughs> Grand Rapids, Michigan. That's a nice city. Yeah. That's a beautiful city. I've been there once. I was went and watched actually the the Griffins play a, a play a game. That's the Detroit Farm team, but it's a nice city. You know what they say about Grand Rapids? What? If you're not Dutch, you're not much. Oh, they like the Dutch people there. Is it's everybody Dutch? Dutch? Yeah, very, very. Yeah, that and uh, high Dutch population. Dutch popular, also on the western side of the state, appropriately named Holland, Michigan. 
very Dutch community, but sounds yeah. hollow. Sound, sounds Dutch. <laughs> sounds Dutch. <it. Yeah. laughs> they got a lot of windmills. Uh, no. <laughs> no, I haven't we been a lot there. of windmills in Canada. I haven't been there in a long time, but uh, Grand Rapids, uh, second largest city in Michigan. Uh, Gerald Ford Presidential Library is there is worth a look. Um, so it's a nice town. Just thought I'd try. I love you. Know, I love to promote the Michigan companies. So. He's all about Michigan. Yep. This guy is Michigan. He bleeds Michigan. Blue. The sky is blue, right? Michigan blue. blue. Okay. All right. Uh, let's talk. I want to talk stocks. Boeing before we go into these earnings from oh, this morning. Boeing. I'm too bored with these earnings. I want to talk <laughs> Boeing. This 320 level we oh. talked about, and it held. Like Can I, I mean, that level it? was the level we talked about it. It went down there. It kissed it, and then it started rallying. And you know what? I think the Boeing low is in. I, I'm calling it. I think the low is in on Boeing. So if it starts trading 318, I'm going to say I'm wrong. But right now, I think you can put on Boeing for a long and you stop yourself out below the 320 because that was really bad news. And we ended up trying to close green on that. We actually closed exactly flat. You don't see that very often on a $300 stock. But we actually got all the losses back. I think, just my, just my opinion, I think the Boeing low could be in. Your thoughts, Joel? Yeah, it was. I think the whole world was waiting for 320. And, and it got there. And whoever's selling it there is not listening to the pre market prep show because <laughs> that was the level that we were talking about that needed to hold. It held. It held. So I, 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 that was impressive. On really bad news, they held that level and then tried to close green. Uh, I think, I think the, at least the short term low is in. Again, if you are trading this and you're calling a bottom, you start going like 318, 317, okay, the theory is out the window. The low isn't in and we got to get out. But if you were to buy it today, you risk yourself, you know, 10 bucks or whatever, I can't argue with you. I think what you need to see here is to get away from it a little bit, right? Like you, you hit it yesterday and you bounced. Last time that you came down to this area, boom, you were back at 340, 350 in the next couple of days. When you uh, hit it in August, you had that big old rally up to 390. So this is interesting. I mean, it's definitely, it's a great technical level. I'm not disagreeing with you on this, but it needs to get away from here. It needs it, to distance itself or it's going to be completely. I, I agree with you. I'm just saying the last couple of times that it came down to this area, it really bolted out of it. And it had a good day yesterday bouncing off it but man it, it's got to get away from this area you're going to start getting some nervous nellies wow 327 unchanged on the session after all that movement impressive but, most yeah. impressive if you were short joel and you saw that trading action yesterday would you not be a little bit nervous i and you know what and if i like had a big short and i was real confident i would have been standing there nervous. at 320 and i'd be like wait a second wait a second I'm not getting filled. I'm not getting filled. You know, then you would have had to chase it on the up thing. I, I'm, I'm not going to fade you on it. I, it was impressive. Move. Huge level. Shorts were so impressive. I'm so impressive that that level held yesterday. I'm very impressed. Impressive. Did I say I'm impressed? You are. You are very, very impressed. With okay. Boeing. So moving just, right along. So that's our Boeing thoughts. I guess we're going to have big level Wednesday here because okay. there are some huge levels in a lot of stocks. Um, I'm going to talk Merck. Merck 90. Big seller perched up there. I guess I should open my book for all this, but I know I've been watching that seller. Look at those two highs. They went up there. Don't tell me these levels don't come into play when there's a big seller in the book. 
because look at the highs, 89.96 on December the 12th, 89.99. You can say, oh, it's psychological, but it wasn't even psychological. It was book. Huge seller at 90 in Merck, and that seller is holding up. It takes a lot of money to get through there. If I go and actually open my book, you can talk about it for a second. I will go and open my book up. I can give you the exact hey, amount. We're, hey, are we having problems, Spencer? Did we get booted off air? We had a YouTube stream hiccup. We are back now. What's going but, on with YouTube? We have problems here. Sorry, Gremlins. We went on for a year, it seemed like, without Gremlins. And the Gremlins have showed up, and they are angry. So what did we not hear? Where did we lose them? Um, we we I'll tell you exactly when, when we when we lost we lost we lost a lot of cool content we were we, me and Joel were giving our top secrets away we lost right when we were going into Boeing but uh, so we didn't hear we, anything about but, Boeing. oh we came back we came back in the Boeing discussions so. I'm just saying it was 320 was huge in Boeing it held I'm impressed with that I think the low is in in Boeing and I didn't disagree with Dennis I just said that. The last few times we came down under this area, we roared right out of it. You know, boom. And uh, August, uh, you hit 32041. Uh, two days later, you closed over 330, 33045, and then it was on its way to 90, uh, 390. When you went here again, you hit 22440. That day, you closed at 337. Got up a high, but not as high. Got up to 376. So I'm just saying, hey, this is the third time down. Stock has to close. Doesn't have to. Can do whatever I want. Needs to get over 330 because all the people that are looking, they bought it at 24, 23, 22, and 21. Want to see this thing at 340, 350. That's, that's the only kind If it hangs thing. out here for too long, I agree. Then it, whenever okay. it hangs out, whenever a stock hangs out a level for too long, eventually it usually takes it out. So you always want to see them move away go. from it. And this was going to be the segue into big level Wednesday here where we talked Home Depot. The 320 was huge. I want to give you like three or four numbers. Let's on go. Some I got a couple for you. That too. are just huge. So Merck, $90. There's been a big seller in the book that's been perched there. We talked about it a week and a half ago when the stock was just approaching it. It held $89.96, the high on the 12th, and then $89.99, the high on the 16th. Those aren't coincidental. It's just the big seller, and there wasn't enough money to take that big seller out. So now it starts to come back down a little bit. So Merck, 90, huge. Johnson & Johnson, 145. JV Spec alerted us to that seller there a couple of days ago in the chat as it approaches it. It could come into play today. You're getting a little bit of a running start out of it. You had some positive commentary. Tim Seymour's pick of the night on Fast Money last night. 143.96 is where it's trading the pre-market. I would expect to have some major resistance at 145 the first time up there. So sometimes, you know, the way I like to play it, I don't like to get like 144.99. You get so close to it within a penny or two, sometimes it takes it out. I usually like to short them in the 80s, a little bit ahead of it. So say like 144.85, I might try it. Starts to get close to the 145, I'll get nervous and cover. But 145 is a big number there on Johnson & Johnson, simply because there's a huge seller in the book perched there. Um, I don't have a book for this one, but I've just got to point out the level because it's huge. I do own this stock in my long-term portfolio. It's iRobot. I bought more almost at the low. It was a good buy. So my first buy was bad. The second one, I averaged in, like Joel says, never frown, average down. iRobot was... Uh, $42. I think I bought some at 43 and a half. So, or 44. Nice. I, and I actually bought three times more. So I, I brought my cost basis way the hell down. Anyways, 50 bucks. Look at this level, Joel. Look at these highs. Just kind of nestling to the perfect little Jeff Mackey purple crayon up, bumping its head right against that 50. 
That's the big level. iRobot, for it to continue the run, needs to take out the 50. Takes out the 50, I think it could go to 55. But 50 is important here for IRBT. Yeah. I That's like a lot that. of levels. Yeah, there is. Yeah, and you're starting to show a little bit of a green candle here for the month of December, so that's good for iRobot. One level I wanted to mention, and it was taken yeah. out yesterday, but it but it didn't close above it. AMD at 43. They knocked that boy out of there, or girl. 42.95, 42.98. Yesterday, you snuck to 43.11. So all the 43 buyers, we're looking good. We go up to 10 bid at 11. Boom, back down. Do sellers reload. The chips reloaded. are so hot. Yeah. I mean, yep. NVIDIA too. Um, I own this in the long-term portfolio. Kramer was arguing last night. He had uh, the Broden numbers there, um, Carolyn Broden. We've, we've never had on the show. We could. We did. Uh, I did tried. We? She I, won't come I, on our show? Oh, he's probably married to Mad Money. Some of these have exclusives, and she's not mentioned on Mad Money all the time. I bet you they got an exclusive with her. Is that it? Uh, I'm not sure. Try I, again. Carolyn's good. Um, anyways, if, if I send someone an email and they don't return my email, I, I don't email And you don't email again. again. No. I mean, it was, it was, a, it was kind of a, you know, they're just, you know, she was arguing with the fibs. And she wasn't on it. It was Kramer arguing her point. But he gave some huge price targets on three stocks. Shopify, it was, they were saying this could go, I forget, it was like almost like $500, which I've been arguing at too. NVIDIA, I think they said like 338, like the FIBs were you know, looking. They were looking at the different FIBs. And, you know, I, I don't, when you start going to the FIB extensions, I don't really I don't either. follow it. I don't know. So I we always like the 50% retracement. I'm not a big fan of looking at the extensions. I don't really believe it, to be honest with you. Uh, but, it was, you know, still promoted last night by Jim Cramer. And that's why NVIDIA is trading up a buck here this morning. It started ripping as soon as they said 338. So this is a little Cramer pop here for NVIDIA. And Shopify had the same thing. PayPal was another one that they gave a big target. I think it was like 127 on PayPal. It was really NVIDIA that jumped out at me, though. Like when they started talking about the three. So NVIDIA was trading down when they started that piece. It was trading at 228 because the SPY was slightly down last night. They started just buying the offer, buying the offer. And by the time the piece was done, the thing was up at 228.75. It rallied almost 75 cents because they threw out a three, I think it was 338 price target on NVIDIA. That was right from Kramer's, you know, just saying on these fibs, if these extensions work, that's where NVIDIA could go. I'm still a fan of NVIDIA. I still have it in the long-term portfolio. I don't know if it's going to 338, but I'll tell you it's up a buck because of that. And the chips are hot. Uh, oh, let me just take a look at that. Uh, climbing back up, probably well through the fifty percent retracement. You're just working into those big of the red candles. Move. Yeah, yeah. Just you know, look. You could probably go and dig some daily highs up from uh, from um, late in 2018 and find some levels for it to go. Uh, a couple questions here. Uh, don't look now, but my Peloton's getting delivered today. And look at the stock triple D. We talked about it yesterday. We set a trade up for you yesterday on this. The four lows became the five lows. I said, if you could get this in the 30s, I like the setup here that stopping out at the 29.86 low. We set this trade up for you yesterday on the show. And it would have worked at least so far because the stock now rallied $2 from where we were talking about it. So I wish I would have played it. I did not. Good, a lot of times we set up these trades and I move on and I don't get back to it. You know, I like to do my stat herb stuff. That isn't a stat herb trade. That's a flat out call. But it was a good call by us on the show. We like those lows. And that's what it is. It's all about, you know, finding a level. 
there seemed to be a buyer at 30. So now we have a level we can lean on. And, you know, if you would have got it yesterday, when we were talking about it, it was 3110, I think, in the pre-market. And I said, if you can get this 31 or, or a little bit, maybe in the 30 handle, take a sh you could take a shot, stop another 29.86 low. The risk reward was set up there and it would have worked. And I'm still saying Peloton, I think the run is not over here yet. I don't believe in the long term. I'm with you, Andrew, left in the long term uh, thesis here. But in the short term, I think this is going to be a great Christmas season for PTON. And I would not be surprised if it still makes new highs. Uh, the question was for a continuation move here. Well, first, I mean, we're up in the pre-market uh, at $33. You closed at $32.93. $33.32. That's yesterday's high. Now, there's not much in there, right? There's only a single high there. So I don't like to put a lot of significance in just one daily high. But what I like about this area is you had that big rally up 3702, right? Boom. You took it down a little over $7. Took it down under 30. Boom. Three and a 50%. That comes in at 3350. So that's getting back half of the break. It's not a, you know, it's not a two star. It's not a three star, but you know, it's a level that's going to tell you whether or not this break from 37 to 30 was just a little warm up for the bigger party to take it to 40, or is this just a bounce? You know, people that didn't sell into the onslaught, oh, they're, oh I'm going to wait for the 50% bounce here. So 33.50, love to see a close over that. And um, I believe my Peloton's getting delivered sometime today. You'll have I to might, let us know how it goes. Yep, I might, uh, might bring the shoes in. Uh, Dr. J asking us about Bristol Myers levels. I can give you the clear level. BMY sitting at 65 in the New York book, 88,000 shares for sale. And, you know, I get this all the time. They're like, ah, oh, there's the levels, you know, it all moves around. If you look at the book intraday, I agree. You know, it's all envelope orders that kind of move around. When you look at it in the pre-market, you kind of get a feel for where the real liquidity is. Because you know what? The high-frequency traders aren't throwing orders out here an hour before the open. They're not, you know, sitting out here enveloping, you know, maybe in the pre-market, but not on the New York book. It's not even open yet. So these usually are orders that are solid. They're probably real. They, we never know if an order is real or not. Like, I mean, like, that's, they're not going to cancel. But, you know, you get these levels. It's just predictable that, you know, you look at the chart, you think, ah, oh, what's at 65? I see a high at 64.75. I see a high yesterday at 64.55. I'm like, what's at 65? Oh, lo and behold, 88,000 shares. Well, the quick math on that says it takes a lot of money to go through 65, 88,000 times 65. That's a lot of money. So it's not surprising that this would stall out in the 64 handle. Takes out 65, then you go further into the book and you start thinking, okay, well, 66 is not much there. 67 has 58,000 shares. So it takes out 55, then there's room to 67. We're not looking at charts, we're looking at the book. The book gets ahead of the technicals a lot of times. And uh, just for that AMD, too, I mean, remember that 34 level, 34 and a half, seems like ions ago, man, that held up. I'm kind of looking at this 43 as a new 34, you know, is it going to hold? Is it going to be a top? We'll see, you know, probably a lot of it dependent market action, but uh, no, it's uh, good. The institutional orders that are there, they stick they them matter. there and eventually you get done. They and I can do. tell you something else, institutional orders. There's some seller here in Bristol Myers here this morning as well, because I've got 161,000 shares to sell in Bristol Myers. That is very significant. That is why the stock is trading. So if you scramble around looking for news on why Bristol Myers is trading down 24 cents in the pre-market, 
You don't, you, you don't have to look any further than the big selling balance. 160,000 to sell is significant off the hop. So that is why. And we've got a few selling balances here this morning. Just be a little bit cautious here on some of these longs. ExxonMobil, 42,000 to sell. Bank America, 115,000 to sell. Our friend GE is always there, 193,000 to sell. GE has been there for two years, or she. CBS, 30,000 to sell. Philip Morris, 48,000 to sell. Taiwan Semiconductor, 48,000 to sell. Scrambling, looking for buy balances here this morning. I do see one in AT&T and Pfizer, 36,000 to 39,000 to buy respectively, but doesn't look like a superstar flying open to me. Yeah, then you kind of mixed here. Uh, we're getting a question. How high can Apple go? I, who knows? Uh, 281.77. I, yeah. 280, you get to 290, you think it's going to 300. Oh, the 300 tractor beam? Well, well, eventually, it's going to come into play. you got to think. you got seasonality working in its play, unless there's an analyst that comes out and poo-poos it or some iPhone numbers come out or something like that. And we even saw, you know, who was it yesterday? They've tried that with the iPhone numbers. Well, they, well they, it was an analyst speculating, but, you know, we never got any actual data. So it was an it's analyst saying that. Yeah, that. yeah. So that. there's lots of opinions out there that the iPhones are going to be weaker. Somebody wants to be a hero, try to call a top on Apple, and we see what happens. It just makes a new high anyways. It's been unbelievable. It's been the year of Apple. No worms in this one. No. Yep. Uh, overall, it, uh, just 280.41. You just want to look at the, you know, the closing price, maybe more emphasis than uh, the uh, the all-time high at 81.77. So Apple's a pretty good – I mean, it will give you a setup there if you get to the same area. Like I'm looking at, uh, you know, you had three highs at the, three, at the 271 area, three out of – four or excuse me three out of five sessions boom you busted through that you had another leg higher and then your highs really separated each other so you know it will give you two or three looks at a at a top but right now that high from yesterday a buck above the high uh from monday all-time closing high eighty forty one. back to uh stocks if we don't have any i want to go to the ratings for a minute here we only have one minute before uh we're going to go to sure. guest but there was a Actually, lot of ratings uh, again. Can I, can I pause that? Because we did get paychecks out a few minutes ago. Oh, sure. Give us the PAYX. PAYX reporting uh, for the second quarter or their second quarter. Uh, just EPS of 70 cents versus 68 cent estimate sales of 990 versus 987 million dollars. So beat and a beat uh, for paychecks last quarter. There's been hardly any trades here, so we're still yeah. figuring it out. 85.50 bid, 86.50 offer. Um, again, it's hard because it's traded like a couple hundred shares only since the report. So it looks like there's some buyers forming that want to buy it. You can see 85.50, 85.55, 85.60. So there's a few buyers forming. Not a lot of sellers in there, uh, which means it's thin, which means it could really run if it wants to, but it's not you know, a blow-away quarter here either. So... I'm going to wait until I see more price discovery happen before making a call on this one. Yeah, a couple of highs right here, 86.49, 86.77. So if this is going to be a super runner here, then you're going to get 87 bid very quickly. Go up all-time high if you're so inclined to look for that. 88.43 was your all-time high in June of this year. But uh, let's, see, let's see if we can pop into that, uh, that 87 handle off the open. Okay, 8.35, let's bring on our first guest of the day, uh, Mish Schneider. She is the Director of Trading Education and Research for Market Gauge. Uh, let me see if she's on here and unmuted. Mish, good morning. Good 
Hi, good morning. Can you hear me? I can. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you guys? We are just trying to figure out what to make of a market at all-time highs 12 months after we were most definitely not at all-time highs. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do well, you think about this? Well, you say the market at all-time highs, but that's only part of the market. So there's the market, uh, which is the inside of the market, which, you know, we've talked about so many times, some of those sectors that are nowhere near their all-time highs. Um, and then you have the Fortune 500 and the NASDAQ 100 and a lot of the Dow stocks at all-time highs. So there's still a disparity there. I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just saying, you know, essentially what every economist is saying right now, which is the market is running on corporate buybacks, on low interest rates, um, on dividends given to stockholders. And in terms of the economic picture, like transportation and brick and mortar retail, and even the small caps, which have had a nice pop, and we're very happy about that, certainly gave the rest of the market some legs, is still a good seven or eight dollars away from its all-time highs. So you got to look both places and just keep it in mind. So that's, you know, it's not a great economy why the market is running, for sure. But if it's looking forward, perhaps the economy will improve. So we're trying to be very optimistic. All right. Let's, uh, you did find um, an interesting formation here for you, uh, you candlestick fans out there. You're talking about uh, some shooting stars here. Can you tell us what they are and what you're seeing here in the Spider ETF? Right. Well, first of all, the um, shooting star, when I sent you the chart, it actually was a little bit less perfect, textbook perfect by the end of the day. That chart I put together about an hour before the close yesterday. And the spy chart actually sort of the second stick wasn't quite as clean because the whole idea of a shooting star is that you have your closing prices and your opening prices relatively the same. So I wouldn't necessarily take too much credence on the spy candlestick chart. What was much more picture perfect, believe it or not, was the DIA, the Dow Industrial uh, uh, chart that had more of a candlestick so you know no one particular chart formation is that important it always has to be all these other factors involved i mean maybe unless you have like a major island top or a major island bottom those would be extremely powerful but in terms of shooting stars a they have to confirm which means that the the um price today would have to close lower than the price over the last couple of days. So if we just look at SPY, even though it's not as clean, that would mean that we'd have to see a close today underneath 319.17. If we're looking at the diamonds, it means that we would have to see a close today under really basically 280-290 area. So considering the market's coming in higher right now, I mean, of course, it's a long day ahead, anything could happen, but then we would start to say, maybe, maybe we're seeing a little bit of a correction time. The other thing about the SPY that I found interesting was the volume. The volume over the last couple of days hasn't exactly been blowout proportion, but it has been above average. So when you have above average volume and you have these sort of shooting star sticks, it at least gives you a reason to think, do I want to keep loading up long? And maybe it's time for me to raise stops on existing longs, take some profits if I have targets, etc. 
All right. Uh, another um, area of interest, uh, of course, is interest rates and inflation. And uh, you asked the question, has the Fed de-iced inflation from its 40-year law? What are, what are the dynamics of that statement and behind that statement? Well, the last um, meeting that they had, they basically said, obviously, that they were going to keep the status quo. But there's been a tremendous amount of repo buying. As you know, they've injected a tremendous amount of liquidity into the market, over $450 billion, with intentions to do more. And so what's basically happening is, is that with central banks throughout the world already at zero to negative rates, even though the United States still has a higher interest rate, the intention is definitely there to try to keep the gas on the market and the economy because of what we talked about in the beginning. Some of these other sectors like transportation and retail and even small caps haven't really done what the other parts of the market have done. So what can this do? People are talking about the reflation trade. I'm not the only one. Um, and yeah, and essentially we're already starting to see some of those signs. Number one is copper has been picking up, which has been kind of wonderful because copper has been beat up for so long. There's two implications of that. One could be inflationary and one can just be that, again, it is showing us that the economy could wind up improving considering we've had strong home builders, et cetera. Copper is a great raw material. Steel has done better. And interestingly enough, sugar. And, you know, we've talked about sugar. Remember, uh, Joel? That was my very, 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 very first trade when I started in the commodities exchange. Yep. And it was back in the day when inflation was going crazy. Well, if you look at the sugar chart, um, and if you want to look at the continuous contract, it would be at SB. Yep. Notice how that has come out of a base since August, September, October. It's actually cleared the 50-week moving average, and it's trading close to, uh, well, it's certainly at a multi-month high. Um, it, ha it actually hasn't quite reached what the 2019 high was yet, but what more importantly is if sugar, which in 1974 went crazy, went up to 66 cents, then in 1980, it went up to 40 cents. Then in uh, 2015 was the last time it had a nice move. So really we're talking about over five years, it's been dormant. Sometimes it's an interesting barometer to show that inflation is on the rise. So. Okay. That's what's something that we're looking at. And, you know, there's a level of inflation that's healthy, of course, because you want to see raw material prices and global demand increasing. And then, of course, you know that there's a point where it can get out of control. And that's where the Fed is saying, oh, we're going to let inflation run hot. And then the last piece of that would be what happens with the U.S. dollar. All right, let's uh, let's talk about the modern family here. Uh, that's what you use to characterize uh, different stocks and different sectors here. And um, let's first uh, let's talk about the XRT in the retail sector. I'm so glad you brought Granny Retail up. Well, you know that's been lagging. Um, you know, Amazon had sold off, so the whole retail space was lagging, and retail sales have been weak. And of course, in terms of the economics, household debt is at a high, and a lot of people are still paying off shopping from the last season in 2018, let alone buying now into 2019. And that's what we've seen reflected in brick and mortar retail. However, 
as a wonderful quote that I put in my daily last night uh, was one said, don't always trust what you see in a bull market. Even a duck looks like a swan. That's what we're wondering right now is granny retail looking more like a swan. So what we have is that it's cleared all of the major moving averages on the weekly chart and on the daily chart. It's gotten back over the 80 monthly on the monthly chart. So if this market is good, there's opportunity there. I was listening to you guys before I came on talking about some of these high flying stocks like Nvidia and you know, the risk on those stocks are high. The risk on something like retail is manageable. You're gonna either be right because it's gonna hold 44 in XRT and see a move up to say 46, 48, or even 50, which still would be nowhere near all-time highs, or you get out very quickly and you know you're wrong, and that of course would be a warning to the entire market. But if there's opportunity, Nordstrom's has done better. Um, you, I heard you guys mentioning Home Depot, that's doing better. Um, so a couple of those retail stocks, Capri, which is the formerly known as Michael Kors, um, is starting to base out. So there's opportunity there if the market stays good. All right, and uh, let's talk small caps a little bit. Maybe uh, small cap transportation, um, IYT. Uh, see, that's bumping up against some resistance here. Transportation's uh, sector, important part for the overall market. Boy, it looks like it's just trying to get through. What? I can't quite get the 200. Let's talk about the uh, small cap transportation ETF, IYT. Okay, well, IYT, by the way, was doing pretty good until the FedEx sales came out really weak. And, you know, Federal Express right now is coming in about 7% lower, which is actually up a little bit from where it was when I first woke up this morning. Um, so that's not a great thing. It's just an impact. So IYT is one of those inside of the market looks that really needs to hang in there. It represents the demand side of the economy. And so that whole consumerism, that's really going to be the biggest concern. Either it wakes up or it doesn't. So watch IYT. IYT right now really needs to hold somewhere around 192. Um, otherwise, it's going to take another visit down to around 190 or even lower. And if it breaks down under, say, 188 at some point, I would find it very hard to be bullish anywhere in the market. So that's important. So that's demand. If we want to look at supply, now we go to the small caps, which is actually IWM. Mm -hmm. And what you see reflected here is optimism about the trade uh, and the tariffs actually being resolved. Although we haven't seen anything tangible, the market, again, always being forward-looking, is anticipating that there's going to be a phase one deal sign and we're going to look, start looking at phase two. So if you look at I, IWM, it looks a lot better. It's actually due to come in a little bit higher. It broke out of an incredible channel several weeks ago. But again, still has a ways to go. All-time high is 173.39, current price 164.84. So there you go, we're still $9 away. So you have to say, is this market bullish enough considering transportation is struggling to get all the way up to its most recent all-time highs? Question, don't know, don't know. Well, I have to wait. Uh, looking at the uh, the S and P Regional Bank ETF uh, KRE, right? cleared a major hurdle here. I'm looking at in the monthly charts. Had a very, very hard time, well, getting through 57, 57 and a quarter. That held up for several months. 
uh, busted through it here, working our way back up. Uh, what's your outlook here? I mean, interest rates, I mean, if they're, they're going to stay, they're not going lower, right, immediately in 2020. And not necessarily going higher here. So let's talk about the regional banks and potential catalysts for them. Well, definitely they, this has come up as we have seen the um, interest rate yields rise a little bit. You know, the TLTs were really high flying for a while. And now in the last few weeks, um, they've come off from their highs. But they haven't exactly fallen apart. They're just actually coming into a zone that might be an interesting buy area. If you're looking at TLTs, if they get closer to 135, that would be in a compelling place to buy the bonds. Now, how does that affect KRE? Well, there's two factors here. Yes, it's interest rate sensitive, but remember it also reflects the rural communities and the banking. So are people borrowing money to buy houses and start businesses? It's showing that yes. However, again, is that real or not? We don't know. Is this being dragged up with the rest of the market? It certainly seems that way. And once again, if you look at the SPY versus this, the all-time high in KRE was in 2018 at uh, basically 66. It's trading 59 right now. So again, all of these things are looking like ducks that have turned into swans. But in order for them to remain beautiful and swan-like, we really cannot see any sputtering out in the uh, bigger stocks because those things will tumble as well unless the market really believes that the economy is going to improve in 2020. And uh, let's, uh, let's go off the board here from the modern family and uh, someone new can't really pronounce her name in the YouTube chat. Do you file Tesla at all? Oh, yes. In fact, uh, one of our quant models of uh, the NASDAQ All-Stars has been long. Tesla, Ooh. we got in at around 325. Um, we took a profit right just below 380 um, on partial of the position. This is the quant model that measures, uh, does a trend strength indicator type of thing um, and trades the top trend strength indicator, five top trend strength indicator. Well, that's hard to say in the morning. Yeah, that's about <laughs> in, uh Of NASDAQ. So Tesla has been one of them. Um, and yeah, right now, if it's so interesting, because if you look at... Uh, if you go back in Tesla, there is a channel, a channel that basically has been from $380 down to about $250. We briefly broke under that channel this year when Tesla sold down and everybody thought that Tesla was done, yada, yada, yada. And now after we've come back into the channel, which was really where your great buy opportunity was at around $250 if you were paying attention, now it's at the top of the channel. So I would certainly be taking profits up here, but I wouldn't necessarily let go of the position. I would just say at this point now, we want to see Tesla hold around 350. That would be your widest swing stop. And if we can get through this 380, 385 level, well, it's possible that we can see Tesla go much higher. Um, it, it, it looks unbelievable. I mean, right now, let's see, it's almost about to make new highs. Let's see what the all-time high is here. The all-time high in Tesla is 389.61. Yeah, looks right like there. It, yeah, looks like we want to take a trip there and see what happens. All right, anything else here? We're going to wrap things up. We did cover all the modern family here, but uh, got a really good perspective on the market, uh, Michelle, Mish. Uh, anything here heading into year-end? Uh, 
Santa Claus rally, I guess we have a pretty nice rally on top of this. Anything that any major turning points? I mean, for me, the only thing I can look at for the S&Ps is the pair of highs here, 3202.50 and 3203.50. I mean, that's resistance now. Anything you're seeing in the market, uh, year-end thoughts? Well, I, I definitely believe that some of the um, stocks that have been really beaten up would be interesting to look at if this is real. Like for example, um, I'm, I'm already in Beyond Meat. I, I, ah. bought, it, I bought it a uh, down at around 74. I actually added some a little bit yesterday at 75 and a half. How come? Um, Why'd you buy it? Well, I really, every time I go out to eat with groups of people, People who are not vegetarian are ordering it. They're ordering the Beyond Meat and they're saying how good it is. And I think that especially the younger generations, which are environmentally conscious, believe that trying to eat uh, some more plant-based type food is good. And Beyond Meat is kind of a nice little in-between between going vegetarian and remaining a carnivore. So I, from a megatrend, I like the stock. It's been beat up. I mean, you remember what that stock did when it came out, it went insane. And of course that was insane. And so essentially what it did at around 7130, it's low is it had a nice little reversal bottom with some good volume. So if it holds up here, say around 74, um, I think that would be your new risk at this point and starts to get through 77. I like beyond. Um, and so I'm watching a lot of the stocks that I, I would typically watch that have gotten killed. Uh, like for example, Kroger being one or Square or Zoom, which we're talking on right now. Um, Chewy would be another one. All these retail type stocks or services that people use all the time that have not monetized, but could potentially monetize as we get into 2020. All right, Mish Schneider is the Director of Trading Education and Research for Market Gauge. He's the host of Mish's Market Minute. Uh, Mish, thanks for the time today and have a great uh, holiday season. Yes, same to you guys. Very happy holidays, healthy ones, and I look forward to seeing you all in 2020. Definitely. Have a good one. Thanks. All right, 8.53 here. Uh, it is still quiet. Out yeah, there. boy, oh boy, oh boy. Yeah, Triple D, any, uh, I, any activity I just here? want to say to me, she's giving you good levels on a lot of stocks, and I can kind of see what she was looking at even in Beyond Meat. And we've obviously dogged the stock since birth, really, on the Beyond Meat. But you know what? It stopped going down. So if you want to take a flyer, you have a double bottom in place. Yeah, 7130 you do. Yep. and 7164. From, um, we're looking just from two days ago trading the 16th of December and the 5th of December. So you have a level now to lean on and a good candle there yesterday. So could you get a little end of, you know, a little relief here? I mean, we do have tax loss selling season coming. There's probably a lot of people who are sitting on loss on this one, but the candle looked okay from yesterday. So I'm not saying I'm jumping in with me, here and Beyond Meat, but I can say I see what she's looking at. And as long as you've got an out, you now have that in the case of BYND. So I don't mind that setup. Uh, we somehow uh, slipped past General Mills this morning and didn't cover that. So let's just do it real quickly. Uh, GIS reported earnings a couple hours ago now. Uh, Q2 EPS, 95 cents. That's a beat. Sales, 4.42 billion. That's a slight miss. And they also reaffirmed the uh, previously issued guidance. EPS will grow 3 to 5% next year. 
just it is what it is i mean these food stocks don't really you know move around that much let's go look at the fuck what jill does technicals i'm curious yeah i don't know i mean where are you at 54 these levels jump out at you even on the charts i guess how many shares are at 54 i looked at that right on the kisser at 53.99 on the six i was like there's got to be something at 54 uh, 117,000. Really close. 95,000 shares Ooh. right now. So I could so call a hundred thousand shares. So it takes big bucks to push it through there. I mean, that, that's, that's the story here. So if you're trading general mills, 54 is the level we got up there, uh, three times back at the beginning of December, we bumped our head against it and could not get through it. Can it get through it this time on the first time? I'm skeptical. So mm-hmm. you know what? I might be trying to short it there the first time around. Yeah, I mean, you might even have some problems ahead of that because, yeah, I see some. Uh, I see a pair of highs uh, at fifty three forty four, fifty three forty seven. There's two highs right there. Major so. resistance when you start getting up yeah. on the upper fifty yeah. threes, and Should you we... know now you're up, and yeah, the earnings are okay, and yeah, it's trading higher here, but we've seen earnings reversals before. It's a nice setup, um, you know. Trying the short, if it takes out the fifty four, you get the hell out. So you risk yourself, you know, and sometimes there's some slippage there because everybody's leaning on it. But, uh, you know, if you're trading this thing and, you know, and, and it obviously, you know, 5385 is short and it gets out, starts to go near the 54, you get spooked maybe. But if it takes out the 54, you absolutely do not want to be short. So Should I would we... say shorting in the upper 53 is leaning on 54 very cautiously. What's the uh... setup for me in General Mills? Okay. Can we do a quick setup in Micron reporting after the close today? Yeah. It's been running. It got the upgrade yesterday and peeled back from it. We were it skeptical. Yep. Yeah, I'm still long in the long-term portfolio. High expectations, although yesterday's candle helps if you show some weakness and maybe the expectations aren't as high all of a sudden. So it depends on what it does today for the expectations that are going into the results there tonight. But I mean, it's been a big move. We still put it in perspective. The stock was $45 uh, at the beginning of December. We got up to 54 there yesterday, nine points on a $44 stock. You're talking about a 10% move in a week and a half. It's had a big run already. So I would still say it needs to blow it away to go higher. And you got some night. Well, first of all, if you bought that thing on the open, you got stuffed for fifty three ninety nine open fifty four high. If you were looking for the previous day's high fifty four thirty, and never got it. Uh, sold off. I think what's interesting here is you got a pair of lows in the same area. So if you're trading this after hours, keep an eye on fifty two seventy two lows, fifty two sixty nine and fifty two sixty five. Trap door there, two bucks lower to fifty seventy. Pair of closes right here at fifty three as well. Uh, really need to clear fifty four. We'll see. Could go anywhere under report, but uh, that second upgrade was a little tricky there. And then just move over to the minutes. ratings here. Yeah, just we didn't get to ratings yet. And there is just a ton of them. They're How do we not the- get to ratings? Well, Busy show, Joel. Sidetracked by things. Uh, there are a lot this morning again. Uh, I would point to AMC, which is catching a downgrade here to underperform at Bank of America. That's AMC Entertainment, so ticker AMC, oh, not ticker AMC X. Uh, Movie theaters, not for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anything that stuck out to you, Dennis, as far as Willie Lily, with an upgrade here. Lily has been hot. I mean, it's been talk. It was on Mad Money. The CEO was on Mad Money last night. The stock's been unbelievable. Um, again, it just goes to show you, if you're holding your long-term portfolio, you're happy. I bought this thing at 30. 
I sold in the 80s because I thought it was done going higher, and now it's 125. Don't sell the long-term stuff, especially when it's going up. Um, so we got an upgrade from Morgan here this morning. They're upgrading it to overweight. That's going to continue the party to a certain extent. I see Delta got an upgrade from Deutsche Bank. Mm-hmm. I also see... What else? I'm looking at the names and the upgrades. There, there's a lot of, you know, some REITs in there. Yeah, there's, I've been seeing a lot of REITs lately. Uh, on the, I think they've been pretty bullish on the same side of the market uh, uh, with the REITs. Um, Domino's you know, Pizza downgraded. Yeah. That's, that hasn't a, had a downgrade in a while. And a long bow to neutral. Just maybe a valuation call. And they're probably looking up at the 300 level. I mean, these levels kind of apply. Yeah. Like, let's go look and, and DP Zebra. Oh, wait a second. D- yeah, DPZ was New York. Um, yep. Bringing it up. I just want to look and see if there's something at 300. 300, 300, 300. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 299 before that. 26,000 shares. A $299 stock. It's big. So, and then at 300, there's another 15,000 shares. So, there's some major resistance up there. That's not going to come into play. Stocks going the opposite direction. But it's always interesting when you see these charts top out just below the number. You wonder, is there something perched there? And indeed, there is. Halliburton gets a downgrade. Yeah, I was just looking at that one. Boy, that stock has had a had a heck of a rally here. Short squeeze. You think so? In my opinion. I think so. I don't know how high the short interest is, but a lot of people speculating that oil's in trouble. And you look, Schlumberger, um, you know, you've seen the stocks. And obviously, you know, it's obviously dependent on oil, and oil has come back as well. So you could just say this just trades off of oil, and it really does. But we've seen instances in the beginning of the year where oil was rallying, and Halliburton, Schlumberger were not. Now they are participating. So that's the good news. The bad news is these stocks, you know, you look at Schlumberger and you think, holy cow, 40 is huge. I got to look at the book on that one too. There's a lot of books. A lot of the book's coming into play here this morning. Yeah, but still, you look at the relative performance here. And we've talked about this before for uh, for SLB, Schlumberger, and Halliburton. I mean, those stocks are 50. The SLB is less than 50% of what it was in 2014. Oh yeah. They're still so, fair markets. Yeah. Um, just say, can't even when, you know, rally, uh, oils rally, they seem to have a hard time, but uh, we'll see what this downgrade does here after a big old run from 18 and change. We got 85,000 shares perched at 40 on Slumberger SLB. Okay. So Absolutely. that's huge too. I mean, the bucks, they're just big numbers here. Some institution looks and says, hey, we got up there back in September this 40 and we failed and then we ended up dropping nine bucks to get back up there. I'll sell it. So they sit out there with 85,000 shares until that gets taken out. 40 is going to be a struggle. That gets taken out, then it starts to break out. So it's all about 40 in SLB. And we didn't cover PCG. So they're going bankrupt. They're not going bankrupt. Well, they are bankrupt, but there's, it looks like it was good news last night. There might be something for shareholders. At least that's what they're speculating. Stocks trading up 10% here in the pre-market. I don't buy bankrupt stocks as a rule, but um, Spencer gives the details. Well, the headline was that the bankruptcy plan that they had released last week that then got rejected by the governor has gotten approval from a judge. So this is the settlement plan, the $13.5 billion one. So, they didn't need the governor's approval, I guess. They got a judge's approval uh, on this bankruptcy settlement here. So I guess that means it's final, but at this point, who can say? So, I don't know. This is a story that never ends. Uh, all right, this that'll be it. that never ends. Uh, yeah. will be bankrupt forever, my friend. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I thought about, I thought about what that. What was that from? That was from the movie, right? The, the, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I thought, I thought song, about that. Well, it's a song that never ends. No, no. Wait, wait what's the movie called? The movie that never ends? Well, that was a never ending story. Uh, that's what I meant. Yeah. Remember, what was, the, what was the dragon's name? There's a trivia question. Uh, I don't for know. We'll do, do a trivia Wednesday. What was the dragon's name? Never ending story. Yeah. <laughs> dragon's name from never ending story. That movie's terrible. Oh, no. Uh, okay. That'll be it for the first hour of the show. I want to thank everyone for joining us. You can catch. Uh, this hour on our podcast, on any podcast platform, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, or on YouTube. Uh, I'm going to end uh, this first hour here and bring on our second guest uh, for today, Sean Udall. He's the CIO of Quantum Trading Strategies. We'll chat with Sean for the next hour or so. But for everyone listening in the first hour, thank you so much for listening and have a great rest of your day. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.